0: tag or fry tag free Free. fry tag is good oh fry okay good yeah it doesn't it really doesn't matter good that i asked (laughs) <laughs> hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is Margot Freitag. She has written a wonderful new book called Plant Powered Punks that she's going to tell us all about, and she's going to talk to us about raising kids on plants. Please welcome her to the show. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. What have you it been? It has. It has. Nice
1: to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course, tell us what you've been up to other than writing a book. Uh, well, it has been a full-time job writing a book. <laughs> Welcome it to us. I know people are like, uh-huh. why
0: do you write a book? Why don't you open a restaurant? <laughs> yeah, okay, sure.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and developing a membership site, actually, and that has also been a big project. So uh, the book is, is finished and it's published, and now, um, you know, I'm going around and sharing my book with people and also building a membership site for teachers and homeschooling parents and really families who, uh, who want to teach kids how to get savvy in the kitchen, making plant-based food.
0: Fantastic. Well, I know you have a PowerPoint to share, so let's do that first because I know we were having a little trouble getting it on the screen and then we'll talk to you all about your wonderful
1: projects and, and also your book. You know, um, Thank you very much, Chef AJ. I really appreciate it and I apologize for the glitches here. I don't know why we can't get the this going, but we're we're in work mode and it's it's gonna be okay. So um, I guess you know, I should tell you why to start why I wrote this book, why I created it. It really goes back to when my kids were in elementary school and I was teaching high school at the time. And I was also raising my kids on a plant-based diet. And I had this idea for a kid's cookbook that was taking shape, but the years were busy years. And so it was on the back burner for a really long time. But I was also really tuned into the teenagers that I was teaching and their overall health and energy levels, because I had been a really sick teenager. And my health had really had a a significant impact on my academics. And I could see that diet and lifestyle had a really obvious um, effect on students, you know, and their energy levels and their health and well-being, And you could really see it, I like to say, from their skin to their stride. So it was clear that the kids who ate a better diet, who were getting a good night's sleep, who were active in some way and all of the things, you know, they they also had more of an ability to focus and succeed academically. So it was obvious to me that diet impacts uh, children of all ages. And we really need the schools to be on board with healthier choices for kids. I remember when I was uh, at the, in teacher's college, I had a teaching placement at an elementary school. And I recall a staff meeting where the staff was talking about these ongoing fundraisers where the school would collaborate with local fast food restaurants and other um, fun food lunch option days. To raise money for charities. And I remember them going over all of the weekly options in this um in this meeting. And it was like Monday was pizza day, Tuesday was taco time, Thursday was hot dog day. And I remember I was just shocked. And I blurted something out about how unhealthy this is for the kids. And I, you know, I remember like there was a, a moment of silence and everybody kind of looked at me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I should have kept my mouth zipped. But, you know, the reason I couldn't was really because I knew firsthand how bad food can derail young people and can really unravel a child's best efforts academically. And then, of course, the whole the all of the other stuff, the self-deprecation, the impacts on self-esteem and confidence that follow, which is worse today than it's ever been. Uh, And and I knew this because of my own battles with health in my youth. By the time I was fourteen, I had uh, weight issues. I was yo-yo dieting, uh, and I had a diet mentality that took over, just sort of took over my my world. And um, I was I was sick. I I didn't know it at the time, but there was also this connection um, to to debilitating asthma and allergies and brain fog and just lethargy and fatigue. So as I moved into my 20s, I worked hard to try to sort out my health and especially the asthma, um, which was severe, I have to say. Um, There was a miracle. And the miracle was everything changed in my mid-20s. I was studying in Vancouver and I ended up in a full semester nutrition class Taught by Brenda Davis. And her class was literally life-changing. Um, instead of the expected Canada in Canada, it's the Canada Food Guide. Instead of the you know, Canada food guide directed class, Brenda took an entirely different approach, which was some things we eat support our health, and other things we eat contribute to illness. And there was one lesson that really impacted me. I remember this so clearly. It was a lesson about dairy products and the link to type one diabetes. And um, Brenda explained that the beta casein cells are similar in molecular structure to the beta cells in the pancreas, which are also known as the pancreatic islet cells. And that this along with leaky gut can lead to an autoimmune response, leading to type one diabetes, where the body has destroyed the islet cells, the insulin producing cells. And I remember being completely flabbergasted. I was just completely floored. And I remember thinking that I was going to go out and see all of this on the front page of the newspapers any day now, and that parents would be cautioned everywhere. And as the days went by, I realized, sadly, that the public would never be privy to this information. And it really was an awakening for me about the powers that be. So moving on, I, you know, obviously, like all of us, we did our own uh, education and investigation and found out about the the links between um, illness and nutrition. And especially as a mother and a teacher, I was really interested in um, how food could impact our health. And here's just a list of this is not exhaustive. And it's not always nutrition related, but It definitely can be. But all of these things can be definitely linked to uh, the way kids eat asthma and allergies, skin issues, obesity, of course, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, which used to be called adult onset, Um, constipation, irritable bowel, ear infections, and UTIs. And then, of course, childhood leukemia and cancers. And uh, the fatty streaks, which are the, um, in the, in the um, arteries, which are the early stages of atherosclerosis, kidney disease. And the culprits are these things, generally speaking, dairy and eggs, animal protein, which is meat and fish, and nowadays insects, processed foods, refined ingredients, additives, GMOs, And then there's the other thing, the other couple of things that really aren't related to uh, food, but they are. They're just kind of away from the specifics of food. And these are the um, habits and lifestyle that are so familial, you know, they really are, are, it's the way we're brought up. And then, of course, these days, the adult, I, I didn't really know what to call this, but I called it the adult misdirected diet mentality. And we'll get into that a little bit. I want to share a little bit about what I think is going on in today's world with um, this diet mentality and high high protein diets that, you know, adults really do have success losing weight on. It doesn't make them necessarily healthy and it's not sustainable, but I, we'll talk about that in a minute. So I'd like to just talk about dairy and your kids. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people say to me, I can't give up everything. I can't I'm not going vegan or whatever that is. What is one thing that I can do? And today, I think it's it's easier than ever to give up dairy. There's so many alternatives, uh, and I think it's probably a really, really important place to start. So there are just so many things about dairy. It's the saturated fat that uh, can, you know, that is at the root of uh, type two diabetes and atherosclerosis, the early stages of that. Uh, th- this is where saturated fat holds all of the toxins and the hormones and lead is the, um, well, dairy is the leading food source of of, of uh, lead. And then the beta casein, the protein, we know the casein is, um, as I explained earlier with my lesson with Brenda, uh, at the root of uh, or at least linked type one diabetes, and then the um, hormone-related cancers. This is all dose-related. So you know, if you're doing this from an early age, uh, and all your life, we know that um, dairy is linked to iron deficiency, and also we know that um, you know, milk does not make children's bones stronger. Uh, and in fact, um, over time, it can it can um, lead to increased fracture risk later in life. We know that there's a, the very high levels of calcium. Oddly, of course, they this is the the big thing, the the big sort of marketing campaign for children to drink more milk for bone strength. Uh, it leads to constipation, and then of course the, it also leads to iron deficiency. So then we give our kids, you know, um, iron supplements, which cause even more constipation. Gosh, you know, there are studies that show that. Um, getting dairy out of children's lives completely 100% clears up constipation, which I find really interesting. Uh, The bacteria, this is really interesting. Lots of bacteria. That's why there's so much pus in milk. The somatic cells are really linked to ear infections and anybody who's had little kids, you know, if they're drinking milk from a bottle, this is a problem. Um, It's one of the big reasons kids end up in the emergency room. And what's interesting is little bodies, little heads have little eustachian tubes that are more horizontal. And as we grow, our eustachian tubes become more vertical. So, you know, even if you're still drinking milk later on, you're going to be less likely to get an ear infection from milk, not necessarily, but less likely because the eustachian tubes have grown and changed to a more vertical direction allowing for drainage. But little ones who are laying on their back with these little horizontal eustachian tubes, the the bacteria from the milk just sits there and causes ear infections. Uh, We know that estrogen is a problem for bone health and skin and earlier uh, onset of puberty, lower sperm counts, and of course the hormone related cancers. And then there are a couple of things that I think are important to know for children as well. All dairy cows, uh, all, well, all milk is pooled. So all of milk has um, this bac, uh, mycobacterium paratuberculosis, a bacteria that leads to Yoni's disease, which is the equivalent of colitis and Crohn's in cows. And so there is evidence that Mycobacterium paratuberculosis withstands pasteurization, and it is being found in the guts of people who struggle with colitis and Crohn's. Bovine leukemia virus is present in all dairy herds in North America. Some countries in in Europe have eradicated um, bo- eradicated bovine leukemia virus from the herds, but it's taken decades to make that happen. Uh, And we know now that bovine leukemia virus is linked to breast cancer. I think almost 40% of breast cancer patients, they find bovine leukemia virus in the breast. And of course, childhood leukemia is the leading cause of, well, the leading cancer in children. And of course, um, if you've ever been to an elementary school, the very first thing they do in the morning is they check off um, who's getting milk and you hand in your milk money, And so there's still a big push for milk. Kids are drinking a lot of milk. And there is evidence that uh, there is a connection. They say that bovine leukemia virus is identical in molecular structure to the leukemia they're finding in children. Antibiotics, PCBs, dioxins. Well, I just, um, of course, all of these things are in the fat. You know, the fat is the whole, the the storage area for, for these things. And uh, we know that these things are related to cancer. And I put here the asthma and allergies. And you know, I'm just there. I I can't say I know for sure, but my own experience has been when I gave up dairy, the asthma disappeared right away. Now, here's what's really interesting: is the 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 antibiotic of choice in dairy, or for dairy farmers, is penicillin. And I'm allergic to penicillin. And I think a lot of people are. And so I can't help but wonder if that was what was such a profound, um, you know, there was just such a profound change when I gave up dairy, at least part of it, I would say. I just wanted to put this quote in here. I think it's really important. Uh, This is a dietitian from the PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. She explains taking dairy off your plate can significantly reduce your risk of heart disease and diabetes and cut the chances of being diagnosed with certain cancers by more than 70%. And now I just think this is, it's got to be dose related. We need to get kids uh, making different choices earlier in life. And then of course, there's just the animal protein in general. And what's really funny is I can't tell you how many people have, you know, told me that they struggle to get their kids to eat meat. I've had parents tell me that they had put meat in the blender to get their kids to eat meat. So I think it's really not that natural for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people really just naturally like meat. I think it's because we're not really designed for it. There's so much to talk about here, but I'll just say briefly, you know, we know animal protein is linked to um, all stages of cancer proliferation. Dr. Colin Campbell explains that when protein levels Um, reach 11% of daily calories, Uh, it can can, uh, stimulate cancer growth. And that really does not jive with what um, our guidelines tell us. Our guidelines tell us we can safely consume up to 35% of daily calories of animal protein safely. Obviously, that's not true. Um, We know that bone loss occurs with animal protein. The Atkins diet study showed that Six months on um, the Atkins diet was showing a 50% increase in calcium loss in the urine. Um, high protein diets are hard on the kidneys because of the, um, the kidney stones and you know the ketones and um, nitrogen um, p- process where um, you know um, the body is trying to get rid of the nitrogen and urea. And then of course the saturated fat and the links to vascular disease um, and cardiovascular disease. And you know, we know that these fatty streaks, they show up very early on. And it's just the very early stages of, of cardiovascular disease. It takes a long time to make your heart and vascular um, systems sick and kids start very young. Uh, fatigue is another one. It's hard to metabolize fat into fuel because of the lack of har- carbohydrates. And I think just meat is hard to digest. There's no fiber and it makes people tired. Kids are tired. And I would see it all the time in the schools after uh, you know, a lunch of pizza or chicken nuggets. Kids are tired after lunch. They don't wanna work, they can't focus. It's really, really obvious. Uh, And then there's just all of these, you know, not so fun facts. I just put a few at the bottom. Um, Poultry is a major source of uh, E. coli and um, is one of the leading causes of UTIs in children. Um, The number one food source of arsenic in preschoolers in California, a California study, was um, poultry, chicken. And then of course, you know, the increased circulation of IGF-1 and FIP and heterocyclic amines, they all stimulate cancer. So there really isn't a good reason to have your children eating a lot of meat. And then here's the big one. Um, I've heard doctors, even, even a pediatrician said, referred to the processed food that his kids were eating as kid food. And the suggestion here, when you refer to processed foods as kid food, is that it's something that they're going to grow out of. And we just know that that's not true. These foods are highly addictive and uh, it's just, it's hard to break away from them. It's hard to break up with them. And so even, especially as a child, you know, you don't, there's no, there's no obvious, uh, reason to do it you know because of the dopamine rush kids just love how they feel when what well, we all do right when you eat this stuff there's the gmo is the glyphosate and the bt toxin you know the bt toxin is really interesting i find um we focus a lot on the glyphosate which is a cancer uh, promoter of course but the bt toxin is it's an insecticide they inject into the corn and it actually causes the the insects that eat the corn it bursts holes in their intestine when they eat the corn and kills them so i mean if that's what it's doing to the insect intestines you can only imagine what it's doing to our intestines and then all of the you know preservatives and sweeteners and flavors and colors these things and you know and then there's all of these other things high fructose corn syrup the refined fats the oils the sugars there's just a short list at the bottom here of what these things are doing to us and especially to our kids because the kids are so drawn to this junk food. The in- inflammation, the intestinal inflammation, the cancers, the hyperactivity, ADHD, n- neurological issues, asthma and allergies, memory problems, seizures, anxiety, depression, neurodegeneration, on and on and on. So there's a real... um call for getting our kids to eat a healthier diet. Um, and we really do need to move our kids away from this and the challenges, how we make that happen. I'm gonna talk to you about that in a little bit. This is the part that I just wanted to talk about a little bit earlier. And this is what I call the misdirected diet mentality. We have so many parents on these high protein keto diets, these high, macronutrient diets and i i um i know that parents are you know they they think it's the healthiest way to go and you know it's not entirely untrue they do eat a lot of vegetables right but i do know parents who won't let their children have an apple i know people who think there's too much sugar and fruit for their kids and um I know of one child who cries, who who just wants berries, just wants an apple and mom won't let them have it. So I think this is really detrimental to kids, this whole idea of macronutrients, more protein, more protein, more protein. And I think that we need to educate parents to think about nutrient density. Our children need micronutrients, phytonutrients. They need nutrient dense whole plant foods. And so this is an education shift and, um, and it's, t- it's difficult because even though uh, these keto diets and high protein diets, are um, they're not sustainable and they may work you know, for short periods, they do work for short periods. And so parents think that they're, they're good. I think a lot of parents think they're good. So we need to re-educate um, moms and dads. And then there's the the habits and lifestyles. And um, this is just challenges that families face. And and when you're trying to raise healthy kids or not, these are are just challenges. And they're part of just being alive in today's world. You know, Um, the family culture uh, of people who eat in restaurants and they go to the fairs where all of the food stands are, everything's deep fried. Um, and, and then the other thing is the rewarding, uh, children or even ourselves with junk food or candy. The other thing is nighttime eating. I think that, uh, this is a really big problem. Parents, um, tend to do it. I think it's, uh, just a way of un, un, kind of unraveling at the end of the day and, uh, relaxing after school snacking. I think I have great strategies for that. We'll talk about that skipping meals you know a lot of kids don't want to eat in the morning or they're rushing in the morning Uh, a lot of adults too and we of course our kids are watching us Um, then there's the sport and activity nights where we put aside a healthy meal to get our kids to their activities on time these activities and the sports they're so important i really agree that they're important and we want our kids in sports and and doing things that they love to do outside of school but they tend to um, interrupt mealtime. And so what do we do? Well, we we zip through, not the greater we, I think. (laughs) Um, We zip through the fast food restaurants uh, or we just grab something quick. And so the food takes the back seat. And then of course there's parties and family gatherings and uh, the social aspect of, Of food and bad food uh, or unhealthy food and last but not least travel you know it's it's um I think it's easy to eat badly when you're on a road trip with your kids or even flying somewhere with your kids so uh, let's talk about what we can do how is this can you see I wonder if this is in the way for you I'm so sorry. I can see the kid with the carrot holding a carrot and
0: I can see the words.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, so the first steps toward healthy change, I think parents have to be, like I just said, first step, parents have got to be aware of promoting um, a low carb, high protein, macronutrient diet. It's not what kids need. Kids need, kids need micronutrients think nutrient density, think fiber rich, whole plant foods. And once we can wrap our head around, you know, micronutrient, micro, sort of micronutrients and, and phytonutrients and getting um, nutrient density and asking ourselves, is this nutrient dense instead of asking ourselves, is this a really good source of protein? I think that's a great place to start when we're trying to lean toward a healthier way to feed our kids and then the next thing is going to be new habits if you can get together with your kids and cook meals together get them in the kitchen get them busy uh, creating in the kitchen it's going to be a game changer kids love to do something They want to do something with you. They want to do something creative. They love touching ingredients and smelling things. And and it's like a craft. It's really a fun thing. And I think if we can get kids into the kitchen, even two nights a week, even one, make a big pot of chili or make something that's going to last a few days, you know, uh, I think planning to cook meals together is a game changer think of some non-food rewards for celebrating success. For my uh, son, it was always Pokemon cards. And I know you gave them out for Halloween, Chef AJ. <laughs> yes. And my son was so thrilled and he's 21. He thought that was just the greatest thing. So uh, think of non-food rewards. What can you do? Maybe it's a movie night. Maybe it's, you know, just whatever whatever your kid loves outside of junk food. Think of a few things. And you might even brainstorm with your family. Always eat something healthy before you leave the house. If you're going to a restaurant, if you're going to a birthday party, if you're going to a family gathering, have a healthy meal before you go. And if kids think, well, why am I eating now? Um, There's going to be food there. My, believe me, I learned this the hard way. It's better not to have a big conversation about why you don't want them to eat the thing that's at that house or at that event it's just better to say we don't know when we're going to be eating or you might be hungry before there's food available we're going to eat now just you just don't have the conversation about the you know the the it just gets heavy it can get really heavy if you start to get into the details um I think the evening routine is also very important for kids. We need to steer them away from eating after dinner. And uh, I think that um, if we can eat dinner, clean up and then engage in a an evening routine um, that has to do with self-care, bathing, brushing teeth, homework, all of the things and always have something available Um Uh, like a water bottle or a glass of water or, you know, um, water with some fruit in it, Uh, just something that they can drink, even tea. Um, I love tea in the evening. My daughter now loves tea in the evening, herbal tea. And uh, if they don't like hot tea, you can make it into a cold tea, throw some ice cubes in there. So there are things that you can do in the evening, reading is a good one, homework always. Uh, But water at at you know, uh, beside them is a really important strategy, I think. And early to bed, that's the other thing, early to bed is going to be a game changer. Um, This was a big, huge deal for us. I found early on when my kids came home from school, they were tired and they were hungry and it was really easy for them to get in the cupboard and eat the wrong things. I made a commitment very early on when they were really young that every day when they came home, they would have a full plate of fresh vegetables, both of them, their own plate. And even if they were tired and they wanted to sit in front of the TV for half an hour and watch a show, they'd have a plate of fresh vegetables on their lap and they would eat the whole thing. And I mean, it feels really amazing when you're a mom (laughs) and you see your kids eating vegetables like that so if they didn't have a salad at dinner it didn't matter they already had you know an array of fresh vegetables and we never like this little boy here is eating hummus on his carrot Uh, we we didn't do that we didn't have the hummus i guess it's a great way to start if you're making a shift have some hummus or another uh veggie dip you know there's there's all sorts of them that are out there that are great Um, just sort of a transition Piece, just way to transition to uh, veggies after school. And you get into a habit of it and you'll get into a routine. The veggies will always be in your refrigerator and it just becomes the way it is. And then when your kids, you know, your kids will be asking for them before you know it. The early mornings are often busy and rushed. And if kids don't like eating in the morning or they don't have time to, to eat in the morning, it's important to give them something. Um, Sometimes overnight oats are a good thing to uh, give them to take, uh, fruit, anything, just something whole and um, nutritious. And then, you know, if they wanna eat it at at early recess or something like that, they can do that. And then, you know, this kind of goes hand in hand with the cooking a few meals uh, together at night, or, you know, a few nights a week or one night a week. Plan ahead for after-school activities so that dinner isn't fast food. Um, if you have a pot of chili that you made last night, you can just heat that up and put it in a little glass, um, you know, carry-on or carry, carry dish like we call it Tupperware, but try not to use plastic anymore. Um, and take it with you, just take it. And even if the kids are not eating it before the activity, they might wanna have something in the car on the way home. Um, that's not the greatest, you know, it's ideal if they're sitting at a table and eating, but uh, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. All right, where are we? Yeah, here are some other tips to shift children toward uh, whole foods, plant-based nutrition. We've got to add more plants at the beginning of meals. Like I said, the veggies after school, you know, that was a game changer for us. Um, fresh vegetables and salads first. You know, if your meal includes a salad, which it should, or some sort of fresh vegetables, that should be the first thing that you eat, not the last because if kids are full and they're unlikely to to want the vegetables at the end or the greens. Again, get kids into the kitchen. That's really why I, I created Plant Powered Punks. It's really a learning cookbook let them explore ingredients, guide them through food preparation and recipe creation. In Plant Powered Punks, I have a little icon of a beet. And that little beet is beside every instruction where a parent or an adult should be present. And the idea there is that we let our children explore, we let them work through it. And if there's something, you know, like a food processor or a sharp knife um, or something else that they have to use that could be, um, you know, Dangerous, uh, then then that little beat tells the the parent or the adult to stay close by and lend a hand. Growing herbs and vegetables, I think, are really also important, and um, it it teaches kids to learn where their food comes from and how to create their their own food. I think we underestimate how uh, how much kids love um, the this kind of thing. Kids need to be outside more than ever. They need to be doing activities that are uh, skill, skill building um, more than ever. Last but not least, keep it simple. Um, you know what? My daughter will open a can of mixed beans. She'll rinse it off, sprinkle some garlic powder, oregano and basil on top, and that's lunch. So, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. And um, you don't have to be chopping vegetables for an hour to make a good meal. Keep it simple. Try to make sure they get all the, the, you know, the nutrients that they need, beans and legumes, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And, um, and, you know, you don't have to even put things together. I love to put walnuts on the counter and, you know, um, vegetables and kind of fruit and, It doesn't have to be complicated. That's my point. All right. Again, so um, some more tips here. When you're shifting toward healthier meals, think of adding more plants. You'd never want to talk to your children about eliminating or giving up anything. If you tell your kid they can never have cheese again, it's not going to go over well. It's better to just... Nudge that bad stuff out by adding more plants in. And this is something you can do without even having a conversation about. Uh, You can, you can have a conversation about it. But my point is, is that you just don't want your kid, your child to feel like they can't ever have something again. I think it's important at this stage, if you're new to this, to try to find substitutes. I call them treat and transition foods. They still are whole foods, but um, you know, some of them are mildly processed, and they're great substitutes for when you're trying to get away from sugar um, and and other uh, you know oils and all of the the sugars and all of it all of it. So you know, think about dried fruit, nut cheeses, natural sweeteners like maple syrup. Maple syrup is one of my favorites. Seasonings like herbs and spices. Um, instead of salt, are are really good. Promote habit-forming behavior. So again, don't eat before bed, get to bed early. Think about what you can do to get your child really enjoying that bedtime routine so they're not thinking about eating before bed. And a healthy start to the day, something in the morning, something healthy in the morning. Veggies at four, That's the big one that was so um, wonderful for us and our family, eating before going out, bringing a healthy dish to family gatherings. This has also been a big deal for us when we go to a family gathering, at my brother's or somewhere else where people are eating uh, things that we don't necessarily eat, we'll bring a dish that my kids really love. And then it all works out. And usually everybody really loves the the plant-based dish, right? So uh, so that's an important one and make the connection make the connection for children and teenagers and they will experience the connection between healthy eating their athletic performance uh, how they feel in their body how their skin is healing and how they feel emotionally you know mental health is a big deal these days more than ever I think and Uh, when you feel good in your body when you have energy when you're well rested and you have good healthy fuel you're going to feel better more peaceful happier okay these are just some notes for the parents be aware of preaching or forcing you know i made the mistake of talking to my kids about why dairy is so bad and why meat is so bad and You know, And it can get really tiresome. I think it's really important to be aware of the preaching or the forcing. Just make beautiful food, make it together, and serve it and have fun with it. It's important to really have fun with it. Keep it positive rather than critical. No guilt, no guilt. You don't want your kids to be secretly eating something that they shouldn't at a friend's house because they can't have it at your house or at home. It probably will happen and it's just important to keep it positive. I'm not saying it probably will happen, but it could happen. It's okay. Move away from the meat-centered plate. So you don't wanna have a meal, a plate where there used to be a big hunk of meat with the potatoes and the vegetables. Try to make different things that aren't served that way. Soups, big pots of chili, bean salads, instant pot recipes. Uh, lasagnas wraps all of those kinds of things so it just looks like a full meal on a plate or in a bowl and it doesn't look like that meat-centered plate so it doesn't look like there's something missing and make it enticing make look make food look and smell delicious here's a big one it could be controversial for somebody who is very serious about uh, plant-based nutrition which I am I'm a, a lifelong vegan that's never changing But we have to make it work in the real world by giving children choices. I know Joel Furman is, he is like a god when it comes to this. His children have never had any of this stuff. I was not as successful. um, But it has worked. It has worked. When my kids go to a birthday party, if they want to have a piece of cake, I don't, I don't talk about it. We don't have a a discussion about why they shouldn't have or why they shouldn't, um, or any of it, what they have learned over time is that the way we eat is the way they like to eat. It makes them feel the best and it's just their way of being. And, uh, it wasn't always easy, but boy, my daughter's 19 and my son is 21 and they, uh, my son is, is definitely vegetarian. There's, there's some pizza, I'm not going to lie, but my daughter, <laughs> <is 100%, laughs> my daughter's hundred uh, percent vegan and, and um, I'm really happy for them. They're, you know, they're doing great. Okay. This is just what worked for my family. Like I said, uh, simple meals. We had family favorite recipes. We have, you know, there are five things that I could tell you off the top that uh, we we love and we have over and over and over again: butternut squash soup, Papa's tortilla, we call it. Um, you know, just we have a chili that I just made. There, there are just some things that we have in our family that. You know, my daughter's away at school right now. When she came home for Thanksgiving, she gave me a list of the favorite things that she missed that she wanted to have. And every one of them was a whole food plant-based recipe. So veggies after school every day, I think is critical. If you can do it, if your kids are more inclined to eat fruit, that's okay. Try to mix it up, throw some carrots in there, some cucumber. Smoothies for breakfast are, are great because they're quick and easy, and they can take them with them if they're running late. Make sure you have fun in the kitchen together. Don't worry about the mess. Don't worry about it. Just have fun. Let your kids touch and feel and smell and taste everything. Grocery store destination travel is a really fun uh, part of our family travel. We love, so I live in a small town. We don't have um, really fancy grocery stores here. So when we go to the States, we go to all the good grocery stores. And ever since my kids were little, it is a destination. When we go to the States, we go to the grocery stores, we go to Whole Foods Market, we go to the co-ops, we go to the, you know, um, we go to all the great stores where there are delis and, um, you know, or not delis, but, you know, the serve yourself things. And uh, and my kids have loved it. So it has really offset that desire to go to restaurants when we travel because, we go to the grocery stores and that's been really fun. If you're having trouble getting your children to enjoy certain dishes, just add a sauce or a dip or a spread that they love and it will help, it really will. Um, Again, I already said this, but get creative in the kitchen, have fun in the kitchen. Be flexible, Um, being hardcore might backfire. You know your kids best but um, it's important to, I think, be understanding and be flexible if you can. Sharing favorite recipes with friends and family have been also super helpful. It's really natural when your children go to other people's homes, suddenly the the moms are calling and saying, hey, you know, that thing that you sent over with Mitchell or Claudia, can I have that recipe? Um, Or, you know, uh, I know that your child's staying the night and I want to make a nice dinner. Uh, do you have a recipe that they really like? And before you know it, your your, your plant-based world is becoming bigger and people, um, people love it. People always love the food. All right. Last but not least, uh, I just wanted to, let me just go full circle here. These are just a couple pictures from Plant Powered Punks. Um, The little characters here are Collie and Flower, the dog and the mouse, and they're in the book um, throughout. Uh, uh, The goal for Plant Powered Punks is to get children curious about plants to pique their interest about real nutrient dense whole foods and get them busy creating in the kitchen experiencing touching smelling ingredients if they can develop kitchen savvy and um, understand how to use tools kitchen tools they can take these strategies these tools with them for a lifetime you know and two of the big ones i think are are game changers is learning how to saute your vegetables and water it's so easy, it doesn't change the taste, but it's something that you know we don't learn automatically. But if we can teach our kids this early on, if we can teach our kids how to make a flax egg early on, um, I think that we can really make a difference. If children can find a few recipes that they love and they can make themselves early on, they are gonna be doing that for themselves probably forever. So, um, you know, the other thing about this is that cravings. We talked about the processed food and the cravings a little bit, but you know, if kids start to eat nutrient-dense foods, <clears throat> um, and that's what they do most of the time, their cravings will be curbed. Um, we want our kids to feel good in a body that they love, that they they honor, and uh, we don't want them to be preoccupied with their health their weight. Certainly when they're growing up, we want them to be free. And I think that um, eating more plants, eating a plant-based diet is a really um, great place to start. So I think I'll uh, leave it at that. And I can stop my share. Um, Chef AJ, and we can chat. Great. All right, Margo, this
0: was a wonderful presentation. And I feel it wasn't just a presentation for kids. I mean, I think this could apply to
1: grownups too. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it really starts with the parents, doesn't it? I mean, it's just about changing
0: people's diet. And, you know, I agree with you, like what kids do outside the home. You can't control it even if you wanted to. But my question is, is why do so many parents not control it inside the home, knowing what they know now about how deleterious these foods are?
1: Yeah, you know what? I I can't answer that. I can't, I think it has to do with their own uh, cravings and their own inability to control what they're eating because they don't have the skills to, To uh, they, I think there's a lot of information that, that people don't have. You know, people don't understand that if they eat a really big pot of veggie chili, they probably aren't going to want chocolate later that night. You know, I think people don't really know. I think people need guidance and they need support and they need help. I really do believe that. And I think it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to know where to get help. I mean, the whole keto and protein, high protein thing is a real movement. And I think uh, people get caught up in that yo-yo diet mentality because it's not that sustainable. And so I I feel like people are stuck. And so it's easy. And when you don't feel well, when you don't feel well as a parent, the last thing you want to do is get into the kitchen and make a really healthy meal for your kids. It's easy to go through a drive-thru. It's easy to order a pizza. You know, I don't know. What do you think? Well you know
0: I, I don't know because you know I, I think you mentioned Joel Furman several times, who I'm a huge fan of he comes on the yeah. show a times a year. and you know, I think one of the reasons his children were able to eat this way without really much rebellion is because that's how the parents ate right right. And so they didn't think it was weird or unusual and they were and I think I think I think a lot of times the parents have food addictions and if if they didn't, then why wouldn't they keep a clean household? Right, right. Yeah. You I mean, want to
1: be their kid's friend instead of parent, you know? Right. Exactly. I agree. Our kids were, you know, they, they were definitely plant-based. They had trouble. They did have some trouble at school. My daughter, when she was in grade seven, her nickname was spinach <laughs> and, you know, and she, it hurt her feelings and it was hard, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're really proud of the way they eat. They are, are really, um, uh, They feel good about it and they feel good period. So, yeah. I hear
0: from parents. Well, but my, my, especially could be son or daughter. Well, they're athletes. So, you know, they have to have meat, they have to have more protein and not overweight. So why be so extreme?
1: Right. You know, my son was a pretty high level hockey player. And I remember parents saying, you know, we are not sure what's going on in this tournament we're feeding our kids really healthy breakfast, lots of eggs and bacon. And then we come down here and they're sucking wind on the ice. And We don't understand why they can't perform. What's going on? Why is your son so um, fast? He was a goalie, he was really fast. And uh, I, I would say, you know, your, your kid's body is struggling to, to metabolize and digest this really heavy food and uh so they don't have energy to skate fast so what they need is carbohydrates and of course it changed everything and so
0: yeah, yeah. i'm sure
1: you have
0: you read yeah. either either of dr Furman's books fast food genocide or disease proof your child Those are my two favorite. And so many people feel, you know, especially, you know, if the kid isn't overweight or has something that, you know, could be linked to diet, like acne and dairy, that it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like we can wait. But I think the longer you wait to do any positive habit
1: change, the harder it is for everyone. I think the longer you wait, the longer you're engaging in habits that are not uh, health promoting. And I think everybody can change something you know, right away. Everybody can make a change. One shift, one thing.
0: Well, I love your idea of vegetables after school. And you know, the thing is, is there are certain vegetables that are actually fruit anyway, you know, cucumbers and cherry tomatoes, bell pepper. Those are technically fruits, but that's such a great idea. If parents just had that on the counter, because most people are so lazy, they would, they would eat that over than having to go make themselves a snack
1: or, or a sandwich possibly, you know? Right. It's true. That was a great thing for us. You know, the kids were tired. They were little, they would come home and, and they would want to sit on the couch and watch a show. And so I just always had the vegetables and it was a big plate. I mean, it was a big plate. I remember people saying, your kid's going to eat all that. And yes, they're yeah, hungry. hundred calories a pound food, you know? Right. Yeah. And they just, they would just, you know, it might have been kind of mindless eating because they'd be watching a show and crunching away. Maybe that wasn't great. I'm not sure. But, you know, they were going to be eating something, so it might as well be vegetables. And to this day, they love it. I love that Dr.
0: Nicole Avina, who has like a TED talk with like 10 million views about sugar addiction. She's going to be on the show next month, and oh, she wow. talks about how it's 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 pretty easy to get people and kid, even kids to eat fruit. You know, fruit is sweet and delicious, but mm-hmm. that we have to start that habit of vegetable eating m- much younger than than we realize. You know. Yes.
1: Yes, we do. I think so. Early. I don't know what we're waiting for. You know, I don't know. I think uh, it should be it should be very early on. As soon as I have teeth.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Um, that, that that was so gross when you talked about the doctor or whoever it was, it said to puree the meat. I mean, that, that just sounds terrible. That's like, well, it yeah. sounds like baby food almost, you know?
1: Oh, I mean, could you just even imagine that? Well, I
0: can, because when I was 16 and had my wisdom teeth out, the doctor, the dentist, the oral surgeon said, okay, you just need to, you need to puree your, you know, take some tuna fish, puree it. You got to get your protein. So, you know, make liquid meat, which is basically- did you yeah, do? Well I, well, I didn't become vegan till seventeen. So honestly, I did puree tuna fish. But uh, you know, uh-huh. when you think about it, dairy is liquid meat too. When you think it about is. it, so that's not so weird. Drinking your
1: meat. Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, I just think um, I don't think kids really like meat. I really, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe there are kids who just love steak right out of the gate. But I feel like it's more of a a learned. And and they like
0: the condiments, which are all made from plants. Right. They like, the, you know, whether it's you know, they like the French fries and the ketchup and the mustard and the pickle and the bun. Yeah, I don't see a lot of kids just walking around chewing a chewing a bone. So here's a question from a live viewer named BG: How do you recommend handling allowing children visiting grandparents who believe that meat and dairy are healthy? It's the same thing like a lot of times when like, it's a like parents are divorced and one parent is trying to do it right. And the other one, they get the mixed message,
1: you know, it's hard. You know, I think uh, you can't, you can't change people, but you can, uh, you know, if you can set your kids up for, for, for a situation like that, I guess it depends on their age, always have them eat before they go that's a key if they have a full tummy they're not going to want to eat when they get there i think that's a good one if they're staying for the weekend or something like that send food with them send a send a meal send a casserole or a a pot of chili or i keep saying chili cuz i just made chili but you know send something along that that um the the grandparents and the kids will enjoy and then I think just a real honest conversation is is always a good idea. Conversation with the children, depending on their age, and a conversation, a non-confrontational conversation with the grandparents.
0: How did you, we just had Halloween. How did you handle it when your kids were younger?
1: Um, you know, here's the deal. My kids went out for Halloween. They did. They went and they got it all. And they would come home and we would let them have some candy. I can't believe I'm even saying this on your show. But after that first night, the bags went away and they were gone. You know what? They don't even like it after, I mean, it, it just makes you feel sick. And it's sort of like, well, anything, anything that's addictive like that, you have it and then you feel sick. You just do. And so they would just feel sick and that would be the end of it. And then we would just throw the rest out. So that's how we handled it. My husband has different ideas than me. Um, And then, you know, now they just, they don't even like it. It's just not even a thing anymore, but they did have it. I do feel, you know, bad about that, but they did, they did just feel awful about it. Like they just got tummy aches and headaches and they just felt sick. So, and it does, it makes you feel sick. (laughs) So it kind of sorts itself out. I, I, I guess that's what we did. Yeah. Hey, why don't you show your book? Oh, I'd love to show you my book. So here it is. It's plant power punks. Um, My godson Connor is a photographer and he did all of the photography for me. He did some beautiful pictures. Um, And we had some local kids come and we did a couple of photo shoots in the kitchen and they made all the the ingredients. That's uh, collie and Flower, our two two mascots. We have um, all of the cooking tools. I did all of the drawings for my uh, little graphics and then I had my illustrator, he um, turned them into, you know, sort of nice, nice graphics. But we, I have it separated out. So uh, I'm what I'm trying to teach kids is to learn to use different whole uh, ingredients, like instead of white flour, using buckwheat, uh, amaranth, oat flour, um, and um, different kinds of beans and having fun with fruit salad. So we, you know, get the cookie cutters out for the fruit salad and yeah. So it's just, uh, just there's only 28 recipes and we do it because um, we did 28 recipes because we um, wanted to keep it um, more of a learning kind of cookbook, step-by-step, easy to follow and uh, instead of overwhelming kids with 150 recipes kind of thing so that's what we did we've got veggie burgers and um, uh, smoothies and there are some desserts in here there's always um yeah we've got power balls lots of different things and the key was i wanted a book that kids would love to look through i wanted a book that kids loved to hold and just turn the pages and look at the pictures And I think we achieved that, you know, we we got lots of great photographs. And I think, um, you know, there's evidence that children will eat healthy food if they see older kids eating healthy food. So um, I wanted lots of pictures of children creating healthy food and um, and then lots of pictures of beautiful, beautiful food. It's
0: sad that when children do eat healthy, like your daughter in school, that they're the ones that get made fun of, you know, why aren't we making fun of the kids for eating crap? Not that we, sh- not that we should be making fun of it. Right.
1: That's not what I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it, it, it's really interesting how uh, her friends are, well, her friends are great. They're all very accepting. And yeah, I, I think that those are the early years. I don't know if that still goes on um, in high school or anything like that. I think there's a little bit more uh, open-mindedness as they get older. Now, here's some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, are you working on a homeschool classroom curriculum from
0: nutrition? And if so, when will it be ready and for what ages?
1: So my, uh, I'm not working on a specific curriculum, but I am a teacher. Uh, I'm uh, uh, with the College of Teachers of Ontario. And so what I've what I'm doing is um, my membership site is uh, filled with and will be continually filled with um, lesson plans that are mostly for ages, um, grade one to grade six, but they can be modified either in either direction, younger and older, and um, they are they're set up so that they can be, you know, just adjusted simply for um, depending on the age. So it's not a specific curriculum, uh, but you know, as a teacher, I can tell you that they're, we're covering all the bases. Some of them are, are just cooking. Some of them are art. Some of them are math and measurement. Uh, some include writing assignments, um, but they all include creating something in the kitchen.
0: That's nice, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, I don't know if you watch the show, but one of the questions almost every guest gets is what do you eat in a day and what do you do for
1: exercise? Ah, that's a good one. Uh, Well, I am. Let me just where do I start? So breakfast is something that always I always struggled to eat breakfast. I do not feel hungry in the morning. And it took me a long time to figure out that I didn't even know what my Um, what my hunger cues were, you know, when you're when you're healing from eating issues, um, you tend not to be tuned into what your body needs. So it took me a long time to realize I don't like eating in the morning. And so um, fit for life was the very first nutrition book that I read way back in the 80s. And they talked about fruit till noon. And so I adopted the fruit till noon strategy. And it's worked really well for me. I love to eat fruit in the morning, I feel it's light, I can manage it. Uh, I don't feel um, heavy or loaded down after I eat fruit. So fruit till noon. And then I eat usually something lighter in in the afternoon, whether it's a bowl of soup, uh, a wrap. I don't eat a lot in the in the afternoon because I'm eating fruit in the morning. And then at night, I have uh, usually a heavier meal. That's I don't, I don't know if that's the best, you know, some of the blue zone people eat their heavier meal earlier on. I tend to eat my heavier meal around five o'clock and it can be anything from, well, tonight it's chilly because I made a big pot, Uh, but it can be anything from, it's usually bean based. I have lots of beans, um, lots of Mexican dishes uh, and lots of cut up veggies that kind of thing nice do you exercise yes I do I'm a personal trainer and um, so I do like going to the gym I do like doing weights I think it's important I'm 57 now and so oh you look amazing by the way
0: Yeah. I told you before we logged on, you look like Sybil Shepherd.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you look amazing too.
0: Yeah, I can't, bl- I did not know you were not, not that that's that old, but I just, that is fantastic.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I do, I do like to do weights, uh, but I also, I have horses, so I do a lot of riding. Um, I'm a runner historically. I used to do triathlons. I don't do that anymore, but I do love running. I love hiking and, um, riding. I definitely love riding.
0: Well, your skin is beautiful. Any uh, do you do you stay out of the sun intentionally, or you just don't have any in Canada?
1: <laughs> well, no, we do have lots of sun. Actually, um, I I don't stay out of the sun intentionally. I don't. I, I do have a sunblock in my in my daily skin uh, uh, cream, but I I'm not a big sunblock person. I just cover up, wear long sleeves if it's really really sunny, and um, I do have. Yeah, I just I think it's a. 15 in my in my daily cream yeah
0: nice so what's next for you
1: well this membership site is becoming its own animal so i really want to get this membership site launched and um so if anybody is interested in getting on the wait list please you know sign up get on the wait list if you're signing up to get the slide deck that i shared today Uh, You'll see there's a little link in the thank you page that takes you over to the membership waitlist. You can sign up and get on the waitlist there. And uh, we'll be opening that up soon. So I'd like to just keep it simple this fall and winter and focus on my membership site. I want to make it just the most robust and um, wonderful uh, community and sort of educational platform for families, kids, kids parents, homeschooling parents, and teachers.
0: That's great. Well, good. Well, I wish you every success. Thank you so much, Chef AJ. Thanks so for having nice. me today. Of course. So nice seeing you again, Margot. You too. All right. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow, a little bit later at 10 a.m. Pacific time, or Monday with the McDougals, where Dr. McDougall and Mary will be answering your questions. Ooh, that's yeah, it, I know. It's so fun. Take care, everyone. Happy, bye-bye.